You're listening to Market Like a Fintech, a podcast on a mission to find out what marketing strategies and tactics the top fintech companies use to acquire real customers, build a brand and grow revenue. I'm Araminta, your host for today, a marketing consultant at Mint Studios and partner at the Fintech Marketing Hub. In this episode, I'm chatting with Jeannie Walden, CMO at Daily Pay. Jeannie has led marketing and growth for Fortune 1000 companies, has authored several books and was recently nominated as Transformational CMO of the Year by the CMO Club. Daily Pay is an earned income software based in New York that integrates with large company payroll and time management systems, allowing employees to get paid on demand. 80% of Fortune 200 companies that offer on-demand pay partner with Daily Pay, including Dollar Tree, Berkshire Hathaway and Adeco. And as you'll see in this episode, they also have some exciting news to share. In this episode, Jeannie and I chat about how fintechs can remain customer-centric while focusing on the larger vision, how daily pay markets to employers when the end users are employees, and why fintech companies should prioritize brand awareness. Let's hear from Jeannie. So, uh, Jeannie, first of all, big congratulations on your recent announcement. Just today, uh, day of the recording, you've released the news at Daily Pay that you've uh, secured $500 million in capital. So would you like to comment on that? And yeah, what would you like to say about that recent announcement? Yeah, This is an extremely exciting day for us at Daily Pay with this tremendous raise and announcement, but probably an even more exciting day for anyone in the fintech space. Yes. You know, we're using this capital to create a new financial system that's fair and is equitable for everybody and also changes and eliminates the invisible rules around pay. It's exciting. Completely. And we're going to dive uh, into that today. I'm very excited about earned wage access. I'm very, yeah, agree completely on that. So we'll, we'll talk a lot about that today. Uh, but before that, I actually wanted to ask you, You've worked for Fortune 1000 companies and you've been to Davos. You've worked with some really cool, big companies. And I'd love to hear, what do you think fintech companies can learn from these huge, uh, huge companies? From a fintech perspective, the market is just changing so significantly. And I think when you're in fintech, having that larger company experience is extremely helpful to understand the process, the people, the organizational structure of large companies so that you can appreciate when you're creating a technology or a solution like our daily pay technology platform, all of the elements you need to consider. You know, Usually when you're in a startup, you're coming out to solve a specific issue or problem, you create a way to do it, but you don't appreciate the organizational structure of the people inside large companies, but also their tech stack. A lot of large companies have an older tech stack that's not as flexible as fintech companies are. And and you have to do a lot of integration and pay a lot of attention to that. And we do that significantly well at Daily Pay. And I think it's really paid off. And as the fintech industry matures, we're going to see more and more of that, right? As fintech tries to kind of battle with becoming legacy almost, but not as bad as banks, right? How how do you like kind of battle with those two forces? And I guess having someone like you who has experience with both is instrumental to that. As technology will always continue to innovate, even the most flexible open platform of today is at risk for being strict unflexible platform of tomorrow. You know, people that 
gosh, to do uh, coding in in C or something like that, you know, um, what seems like a very long time ago, um, that was the hottest new platform that, and that was the hottest new coding language that everybody was going to use. And then when it went to Ruby on Rails, that was a hot new language that everybody could use. And just the technology sets and the way that we develop new technology evolves so rapidly. It's going to be a constant challenge for every fintech to keep up with that and look at their backend system and appreciate how they can adjust for not only older technology platforms that are more structured, but also the and, and how this coming from the market. And do you think that partnering, for example, with larger companies or banks, for example, uh, would that really help with that transition? It really depends on what your solution is focused on. And that's how you can reach your potential user base most effectively. In certain cases, you know, partnering with a bank could give you significant advantages as far as reach goes and potentially doing a white labeled integration or a back end integration after I would say plan for a year to 18 months of security checks and analysis. I mean, that's absolutely everyone's mind to make sure that, that there is no security threat. Once you get there, you could have that integration and access. But if your target market, for example, is population, that integration isn't going to do you, you know, do much for you. So I think it really depends on on what your set is, who you're trying to reach. And I know a lot of fintech solutions are looking to reach populations of people that haven't been served by traditional solutions out there. So it's a consideration for sure. Yeah, that's true. I love what you say uh, in, in, I've been, you know, I've checked through uh, some of your interviews and I love what you say that um, payroll is a company centric concept. And this is kind of why earned wage access is here uh, because we're now in the age of the employee of customer centricity. Um, and you've also mentioned that this is because um, also because of marketing, marketing has kind of changed the way employees view payroll. So I'd love to hear your, your thinking behind that and maybe what you think since marketing continuously evolves, how will that look like in the future? Absolutely. You know, I look at it in three different ways. The first is, you know, right now our world from a FinTech standpoint, from an own wage access standpoint is driven by these invisible rules of money. It is not written in the Constitution or in any other country's law book that you must get paid on a certain day of the month or a certain number of times a month. That's a rule that was made up by different companies, by the payroll industry, uh, by the government in the U.S. coming out of World War II for taxation evaluation purposes. It wasn't built with the employee's best interest in mind by any means. So we've been living and agreeing to these kind of invisible rules for a long time. And so one of you know, my points is, you know, isn't it time that we start asking ourselves if these rules make sense? And if they don't, and many of them don't, how do we change them? You know, we as the employee are left managing our own personal finances and our company's pay schedule. And that really just doesn't make sense anymore. I think to my second point, when COVID hit, work as we knew it transformed in ways that we thought would be possible maybe five to seven years out everything had to become virtual and productivity did not dip in fact many companies saw an increase in productivity working from home working remotely and as we powered through that over the last year and a half we realized that 
the way we work has transformed. You can work remotely. You can have flexible schedules. You can still create personal relationships. Sometimes they're even better over Zoom. You never know. So that's really interesting. The way we pay people is the only experience at work that didn't go through a major transformation. And it's about time that pay is transformed. And then my third point is, you know, the expectations that we have as consumers for on-demand everything have changed. If you want anything to eat, you can go to Uber Eats, you can go to Grubhub, Seamless, any delivery service. If you want to rent a place to stay, you can go to Airbnb, VRBO, you can just get anything that you want today on demand. Why should pay be any different? The expectations for us as consumers is as we go throughout our lives, we should be able to get and we really believe that that customer experience is monumental. And I saw this fascinating TED talk. It's it's a few years old, but this man said, everybody tries really hard to design for the tech savvy, design an interface and experience for the tech savvy. And that typically means the younger generation. And then he said, but if you think about it, a Gen Z or a millennial is not necessarily tech savvy. They grew up not knowing how to do things without technology. You no longer think about doing things without Zoom or without your computer. He referenced, he said his four-year-old daughter doesn't know that you can make a phone call without seeing the other person's face. So when you think about developing an experience from a tech-dependent perspective, it really opens up a whole new way to think about how you create the experience that your company has to offer. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting what you're saying about uh, tech dependent because fintech plays a huge role in that. And this is what what uh, A16Z was saying, like um, uh, every company is going to become a fintech, right? And that's essentially, I'm sure you agree with that because uh, if everything is going to be tech, then also everything is going to be fintech by definition. Uh, and that's really exciting. And I think, well, from what it seems, daily pay is at the center of that, right? Because um, if I can get my salary on demand, suddenly my opportunities or my my doors open up. Um, I, I'd love to hear, you know, fintech companies by nature of the, the term fintech are, are customer centric, right? Um, or try to be in any case. So I guess my question is, what do you think, what have you seen maybe fintech companies um, might miss out when it comes to customer centricity? Or maybe what can they do to ensure that customer centricity is at the core of what they do? Yeah, I mean, I, I am really obsessed with this idea of being tech dependent right now. And truly, like, think about anything you're working on. You will think about it through a different lens when you're creating that that experience, considering that. But I also think that, you know, in many cases, some fintech companies will be missing out when they're looking at the size of the problem that they're trying to solve, you know, with daily pay, with on-demand pay, like, yes, we could have designed a technology to give people access to the money they've earned before payday, but that's like a band-aid on the problem with the entire current financial. So me getting you access to your money a little earlier requires your company to be integrated with mine and to go through, you know, a certain set of processes. It doesn't actually solve the entire financial system challenge because money is stopped and it's following these crazy invisible rules at various places throughout the processing of payroll. So we're looking at the entire holistic problem and we are trying to solve that initiative. Like we are building a new financial system. There 
rewrites these invisible rules of money. And it makes sense because now we can still give you the solution that you want, but we know that we're building a better platform for everybody for a greater future. And I think in certain cases, when fintechs are first starting out, you do have to stay focused, but you have to stay focused on what you're trying to solve, where it sits in the larger ecosystem, and ultimately have that mission or vision. And that, I think, is what builds the very significant and stable brands that we've seen, especially some of the breakout fintechs. Yeah. That's interesting. So you're saying essentially make sure to narrow down at the beginning, but then always have that vision at the, you know, that ultimate vision of what you want to do. And do you just out of curiosity, I'm sure you've seen all these fintech companies popping up, catering to a lot of different narrow industries. So for example, a neobank for landlords, a neobank for um, creators. What do you think is going to happen to them? Because not every single one can fulfill that vision, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, well, it, it, it speaks to a few things. One, there's a huge need in the market. There are still yep. these roadblocks and these invisible rules that somebody needs to tackle across the board and in many different places. But secondarily, uh, it, it also speaks to future consolidation. There can be 10 different solutions for creators or for landlords out there. They're all going after the same individual small problem, but nobody's fixing the entire issue. And the companies that take that broader purview are the ones that are going to win. I want to say, and I could have this wrong, but Google's vision is to index the world's information, right? You know, typically a vision is something that's so big, you can never accomplish accomplish it. Like Google will never be able to index the world's information because there's always new information being created. Yeah. I'm sure when they started, they didn't even think about TikTok and all the information that comes out of that and user-generated content. So they always are building towards something, but they've got that bigger vision and it allows them to shape their mission and then get down into a purpose and objectives and create strategies that drive you know, equity and solutions and something better for everyone and not just a single stakeholder. Well, this is what they call the unbundling of financial services. And then we're going to have the rebundling soon. Well, it's happening already pretty much, right? But but better. That's the hope, right? A lot better. <laughs> and now we've got the, the, creator, the create economy that's out there right now. But then we are moving into other areas and we already have our, our eyes set on where we're going and you know, a specific area of focus. But once we accomplish those, I promise you new areas of opportunity will open up that we're not even thinking about right now, possibly don't even exist. Yeah, that's that's all very exciting. Um, I'd like to uh, now talk a bit about your own approach at Daily Pay, uh, because I know that you mostly, well, you only market to employers. And I'm actually curious about this because... I've worked myself with a few earned wage access um, fintech companies, and some of them decide to market to both. So I'd love to hear, you know, what, why at Daily Pay you decided to focus only on employers and kind of what your approach has been there. So we we integrate only through employers, uh, but then and and we do not advertise directly to employees for regulatory reasons. But yeah. we do a tremendous amount of work with the employers in coordinating and creating messaging from the employer to the employee that makes sense. So we are getting down to reaching out to the employee. We're just not doing it directly on TV ads or, or things like that. Uh, and again, that reason is mainly for regulatory reasons. We want to be, we, you know, our, our solution in the on-demand pay space is focused at meeting 
you know, an individual's need for choice and control over the money that they earn. We don't want to be seen as suggesting that they take more money out than they need or suggesting that our solution will, you know, put them in a situation that they're not happy with. So we work really diligently with the employer. That way we can validate how much money is actually earned and not run into any issues from that perspective with some of the B2C solutions. We do a lot of uh, material creation. We have a great inventing different programs and solutions alongside with them. And we can co-market to the employee from that perspective. And it works out really well because that way we can have this two-way communication path. And I think a lot of fintech companies that are working with organizations or on the B2B side often forget that the data that your solution captures, even if it's used in a proprietary scenario with no individual insights being shared uh, can be valuable to the employer. For example, you know, when, when someone takes money out from their daily pay account, we ask them why. And in one company, we found a lot of people were taking money out to take care of their pets. So just by sharing, hey, did you realize 15% of the people that took money out in the past month were doing it for pet care? The company was able at the next annual benefits offer pet insurance. So that information really helped advise companies on on being a better organization, creating a stronger culture, and building a better relationship with their employees. And we think that's fantastic. This episode is sponsored by VC Innovations. VC Innovations is a full-stack marketing services agency dedicated to innovation industries with a special focus on fintech. They work with businesses across three key areas of marketing, demand generation campaigns, and event properties, including the must-attend FinTech Talents Festival. Check out vcinnovations.co.uk to find out more. Yeah, that's really cool. And also, uh, from what I understand, on-demand pay is, is mostly popular in... Uh, but correct me if I'm wrong, mostly popular in industries where there's like a higher turnover rate or high demand, like healthcare or uh, hospitality. Did you decide at Daily Pay to target those industries first or were you more like, okay, let's see, let's see first and then target? I would say it was more like the industries targeted us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very early days when we were out there at events, just doing broad education about this, you know, significant change to the way that pay works. Uh, you know, some people thought we were crazy. And uh, the industries that had a challenge really raised their hands and said, you know, I, I'm having a challenge in the case of home healthcare industries. It's a very competitive market. There's a labor shortage. Everybody's paying the same base salary. Why would I work at this company versus this company? We were able to, you know, work with them, offer on-demand pay, and you were able to say, hey, you can work here and get paid X dollars an hour and have access to your pay the day you start working, or you can work at the other company and you can wait two to three weeks to get your first paycheck. And so it became a competitive advantage for them to navigate a labor shortage in the market. For other companies that have really high turnover rates, like call centers, uh, one call center specifically we worked with said, we have this incredible plan. If you are here for more than 90 days, we double the salary that we hired you at, guaranteed. We give you all these benefits. We give you training. You walk out of here with a career. Our problem is the average person stays for three days. It's a tough job being in a call center, call having them say no all day long. Mm. Most people get a job that pays the same or slightly more and they leave to pursue other opportunities. 
what can we do to keep people here long enough that they can appreciate this company and everything that we've built. So they used it for a very different reason. They use it for retention. Uh, so there's very different reasons why the different industries tend to uh, come towards on-demand pay as a solution and specifically daily pay. Over the years, what we've seen are these industries continue to be the best users and the most in need. But I've been at events where people at big four companies who make six-figure salaries have asked if we could implement daily pay at their organization because it doesn't matter how much money you make. <laughs> you always run into an unanticipated solution or there's always an opportunity to use you know, access to your pay a little faster. If you're not needing it to pay a bill, many of our users actually use it proactively to pay down a bill to avoid high interest rates or to even improve their credit score to get ready to buy purchase a home or a car so you know there's some really interesting use cases now of, of using daily pay yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, I myself, I'm a consultant, so I don't really have like uh, every month the same. And so I actually pay myself once a week. And that's why when I when I meet people who are getting paid once per month, I can understand like I couldn't. I'm so used to being able to do it on demand and I love it. It's so much easier. That's why I totally support this this industry, because I'm like, it makes no sense to get paid once a month. Like, no sense. We always talk to employees that use a service. And uh, th and we had a, an event where we asked people to take a video of themselves saying, why do they love daily pay? And this one man, his name is on his jacket, it said, Dan the Meat Man. And the <laughs> video like, was so entertaining. He said, I used to get paid once a month. I didn't like it. Now I get paid once a week. It's when I want to. It's when I need it. It's what I'm happy. Right. And that's why I love daily pay. And it, it's so true. And I think you know, in the U.S., when so many people went on unemployment, for many people, I think over 80% of people, it was the first time they received weekly paychecks since unemployment oh. weekly. And I think they got used to it. So returning to work now, people are looking for that immediate access to their money. That's that's really interesting. Actually, this kind of answers my my question, which was, um, as you've just said, you, you've come across a lot of use cases. Uh, maybe it's a dad that wants to take a weekend off or a mom that needs to make rent or someone who just wants to pay uh, like a lady who wants to go shopping, buy a hat. How did you how did you try when you're trying to explain to, you know, through employers, you're trying to explain to employees what they could use this for? How have you tried to kind of explain that? How have you positioned daily pay or does it really depend from employer to employer? No, you know, I mean, simply put, daily pay gives you money at the right place in the right time. You know, I mean, it's that simple. It, it's when you need the money, it's there for you. So it, it, and then that, that typically resonates with each person differently. You know, when I say daily pay gives you money at the right place at the right time, for you, that might mean once a week. For me, that might mean if I got in a fender bender and needed to get my car fixed, it's there for an emergency. For somebody else, it might mean there's additional dollars available to invest in the stock market. You know, if there's a hot stock that you want to tell your, your hand on investing in. So very personally. And I think that was one of our learnings with daily pay is we get so excited about the value that it creates and the benefits for both the employer and the employee. We thought once somebody knows about it, they want to share it with everybody. And we realized that in many cases, that's the case. But in other cases where people truly are going through a short-term or long-term financial crisis, the last thing they want 
is everybody to know that they need help in, you know, in a crunch time. And so they're very quiet about it, but they appreciate the discreetness and, you know, the personal accessibility for them without even having to go to their HR team and say that they need to get a loan on their 401k or, you know, open up the door to some personal issues that might be happening. So I think it gives that that level of, of trust and respect that people are looking for, which is great. That's interesting. So when it's something that's very personal, sometimes it's best to just take a step back and actually market the entire kind of uh, the features rather than trying to focus all the time on the benefits because the benefits are so different for every person. That's quite interesting. So, you know, the most popular. So we're we are like data obsessed at Daily Pay, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Especially if you're a fintech company of any kind, you have to be obsessed with data and trends. And so we've had so much fun looking at the data to look for trends in the market. And we found that the most used day, most used holiday for daily pay, when everybody uses it, you might think would be Christmas, but it's not. Everyone's with their family then. They bought most of their Christmas gifts. Uh, it's actually Valentine's Day. If there's a oh. holiday where on the day of the holiday, people are, are needing access to their money, we found that it was that it was Valentine's Day. 67% of the people that oh. used money, that took money out of daily pay that day, did it because they were buying someone a Valentine's I'm not so sure that's a good thing for the signal <laughs> buying the gift on the day of. However, if you're mom, then I think it I think it passes. But we're always looking at data and looking at you know improving the product, uh, sharing that information with the companies that employees work with to create a better experience and really appreciate how people are living their lives. And and I think that's key with any fintech company is understanding the consumer motivation behind the use of the technology that you create. Yeah, definitely. And also there's there's something else that I really like about your approach in general, also at, at previous companies that you worked at, which is that you said that when it comes to B2C, your brand advocates are, you know, your your top customers who love your your product. But when it comes to B2B, actually your brand advocates are your employees. They're your best brand advocates. And I and I love what you said there. So could you talk a little bit more about that approach and how you're specifically doing that at uh, Daily Pay? If you work for Coca-Cola, you have Tens of millions, possibly hundreds of millions of people that you can turn into brand advocates and and you can get your brand message across and your value across in lots of creative ways from merchandise to engagement in video to different things like TikToks. When you are a B2B organization and your target market or your TAM is relatively small, maybe it's 25,000 organizations even if all 25,000 of those companies loved you, it, it really doesn't create a buzz in the market. So you really need to look at how you expand that. And really the expansion comes from your employees because each each person reaches about 350 people, um, so 3,500 to 4,000 people a year on the if you're a company with 100 employees and they reach 4,000 people a year, 100 times 4,000 gets you significant brand awareness and brand equity, much larger than if you just focused on 25,000 companies and successfully made it through to 2,500 of them. So I have always believed that your employees are your best brand ambassadors. They are phenomenal at recruiting, at retention, at proving value and and really sharing their authenticity. If somebody in the finance department 
is really excited about the company that they work for, they're going to talk to their finance community about it. And while that might not necessarily be your target buyer, it's completely fine because that finance community friend might work for a company you're targeting and they come in and they're like, oh, I heard about this great company. And it just authentically comes around, just like when a friend tells you about this restaurant and then everyone's talking about it. And that has a much bigger impact than trying to go out and, and purchase or look at brand advocacy from the general perspective and trying to always go down. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, and obviously that means that you're very focused on culture, right, uh, at uh, Daily Pay. And um, uh, people listening to this podcast are, you know, smaller startups, but also larger. And I wonder if you have, I don't know, tips sounds like a trivialized way of, of putting it, but kind of, yeah, what what advice or what, what would you think, what, what would you tell to other founders who are trying to build a healthy culture? Culture. Words of wisdom, uh, mm -hmm. define your cultural values the day you start the company. When you are the single and first employee of your organization, think about what you want the culture and the values to be and start that from the beginning because it will come through in everything that you do as you're growing through the first five employees, then to 10, then to 50 and continuing to grow. And we did that. Jason did that here at Daily Pay. He was very strategic and specific about the culture that he wanted to build and has been adamant as we've grown from zero to over 400 people in a short time frame on how that culture should be. We're a very generational focused culture. People that come here know that they have an opportunity to create an entire career here. And we're also a very diverse culture and that diversity is celebrated in a number of different ways. So, you know, creating those ERGs, the employee resource groups that everybody talks about was in his plan from day one. And, and I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you've also said that daily pay is in a very comfortable position now where most of uh, your clients or your customers, your business customers come to you. And so it's more like, uh, you know, everything comes to you and, and you don't need to maybe do so much marketing and, and uh, outreach. Um, how long did it take you to, to reach that point? And what do you think was instrumental to getting there? Yeah, I, I can say, you know, the first three and a half years were a tremendous amount of industry education. You know, when Daily Pay came into market, we we were the only company looking at a new way to give employees access to their pay. So it was a new concept and you needed to do a lot of education. This is what it is. This is why it's safe. This is why it's secure. This is why it's good. Build up some initial clientele, prove it out, you know, get some case studies going. And I think you know, word of mouth about the impact that daily pay has on a company's business with up to 72% reduction in turnover and the impact that it has with employees saving over $1,200 a year in overdraft fees, late fees, and finance charges. Like, that's real. Those are, those are real savings and real dollars. So I think the word spreads when you have a great product that drives to a great benefit. And as, for as much damage and how horrible COVID was for all of us, I think COVID was a big wake-up call for all employers that they needed to find ways to enable their employees to support their families feel safe at work, not just personally, but financial security as well. And daily pay was a great solution. And as we get back to work, it, it still is a great solution to get people 
you know, feeling safe about coming back and being able to access their money as they need it in case something comes up. So it's a, you know, the, the environment has helped a little bit continued. I don't want to say struggle. I'm going to say continued opportunity for education out there, because I think probably about half our potential market still isn't even aware that there's a thing called on-demand pay. So, you know, we've got a lot more education to do, but, but it's great to, to see, you know, all the inbound requests and excitement from the market on the good that we're bringing into business and companies. I love what you're saying about education as a content marketer myself. I believe that education is inherently a part of fintech because a lot of these concepts are new and often in order to market or in order to, to be able to use that tool, whether it's B2B or B2C, there's a lot of education involved. So what are some channels, for example, that you're pushing when it comes to education, obviously through employers, but. For sure. Yeah. For sure. But you know, in the early days, truly uh, we started with events. A lot, okay. a lot of play shows and events where our audience was. Uh, and we also started, so that was at the top of the funnel coming down. Now at the bottom of the funnel, we really did a lot of outreach and cold calling and, you know, trying to find companies that looked like they had a problem. Maybe there was an article in the press that they were having trouble hiring somebody or there was a labor shortage. And so you have to work both the top and the bottom and, and build that education and, and it comes together over time, but it's a consistent effort for sure. Yeah, I think that makes sense to anyone right now who's who's building a fintech company where the technology like open banking is what I'm thinking right now. A lot of education needs to go around, you know, APIs and financial data sharing. And you're saying that events is like a really good way. Hopefully now that COVID is slowly relaxing, we can go back to that. And maybe fintechs can use events as an opportunity to explain what is all this all about. Yeah, right? I would say, you know, these virtual events have actually been hmm. fine. You know, I, in, in certain cases where events we'd attended in would have you know, a thousand attendees virtually because there's no travel costs and you can do it with your pajamas on and your flippers. We were seeing five to seven thousand attendees. So, so I think you can get the word out just equally as well virtually these days as you can in person. Although, I think we're all looking forward to going somewhere and meeting in person. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Opportunity again. Yeah, that, that's that's true. Virtual is just as good. Well, or maybe even better. Um, so my, my final question to you, Jeannie, is uh, you've mentioned uh, before that uh, one of your favorite acronyms is AIR. So for brand awareness, you say uh, authenticity, inspiration and reality. Um, and you're a big fan of, of brand awareness. So how can other fintech companies focus on brand awareness and, and while, you know, remaining authentic um, and providing a good customer experience? Yeah, I, I would say this is like puts me on a soapbox and I could really probably talk for about it on this topic. So I will keep it short. But, sure. you know, especially in the early stages of any fintech company, you don't have a marketing staff, a chief marketing officer, but you have to get marketing out there. That's how you build your first clients. And that's how you build your validation and grow. So a lot of companies, you know, tend to discount the impact of brand marketing and PR. And I would say that's probably the biggest mistake any company could make 
From an authentic standpoint, though, and I think, you know, Kickstarter back in the day proved to us why this is important. If you take people along your journey with you and you're not some corporate entity or some shiny company, you are truly a group of people trying to make a difference with your product and invite them to share that journey with you. That authenticity really helps to build credibility. Uh, you know, my my husband ordered something that you put on the bottom of a surfboard that's a little motor so you can turn it in for a board if you want to. And she ordered it and paid for it over a year ago. And it's just coming to market now. But throughout the journey, he continued to email the company's founders and the team talking about what they're doing, talking about the challenges they had bringing things to the market with supply chain issues, things like that. So that authenticity really comes through. And it doesn't cost a lot of money. It's not hard. It's just really inviting people in, which is where the inspiration comes in. You know, your product was designed for a reason. Hopefully it wasn't to get rich. You know, you're trying to solve a problem that people are having so that you can get that, you know, people to agree and purchase your product. Now, so along those lines, uh, letting them see how your product gives them an opportunity to have a better life, to be a better person, to make a better difference in the world. That's really important. You know, you, you don't see even with like a Campbell's soup, you know, you typically someone who's not feeling well and then they eat the soup and then they're better again and they're nice and warm. It's all about inspiring you to think about what great things can happen when you get involved with this product. And even if you're B2B and you're doing open, open banking or you're trying to do a partnership with a traditional bank, showing that bank what they can aspire to be and inspiring them about having better relationships with their bank clientele for retention, all of that matters. And then, you know, for the R whether you call it relevancy, relatability, reality, you know, whatever it is from that perspective, you have to do it in a real way. Stock images, things I hate the most in life. How many people have seen the same woman standing here going like this on every company's ads? Stock images, take an iPhone, take some pictures, have them edited, and you know, really make something that's relatable and realistic and and, and grounded on reality. And then I think yourself. Yeah. I, I love that. And I, I think we're seeing this trend, right, in tech kind of building in public and people are loving it, right? Because it's like it's, it's kind of you're seeing the inside of a company. And I think it's a big part of fintech. It's also a big part of this generation in, in, in general that wants to be wants to be involved in brands. They don't want to be just a customer. They also want to be part of that kind of growth. And it's it's an exciting trend. It really is. That's uh, great. Well, thanks so much, Jeannie. This is a perfect place to end. Um, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Absolutely. Thanks so much for inviting me on the show. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can find all the information and show notes over at fintechmarketinghub.com. If you'd like to come on the podcast or just share some feedback, don't hesitate to get in touch with us. We're always looking for ways to improve the podcast. That's all for today. See you next time.